edition of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming back at you here for Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate you checking out all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that fantabulous five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe. Subscribe below today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with our latest episodes of Magic Man in the Morning, the Lakers Snack Pack, Lakers History 101, Do You Know Your Lakers Trivia, NBA Observations, and of course our awesome post-game coverage each and every Lakers game. Go ahead and check it out. But you only know when we're on, like right now, if you subscribe today, right there for you on YouTube, plus also like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us on any platform, including LakersBall.com, Joe Soros' awesome company, Symblades, Symblades with a Y.com. Of course, our good friends at Lakerholics.com. Also, as well, the Upside Swings NBA Draft podcast with Stone Hansen and the guys talking NBA Draft. The John McCallion channel. I had to change my rhetoric when it comes to Magic Man stuck in Toronto traffic. I guess what? John McCallion stuck in an In-N-Out burger line like he was the other day. It's so funny because he did that live on the air. And at the very end, the lady that was there at the counter asked him about the Lakers and Grizzlies coming up this weekend. So uh, it was actually a very good video. So check out what he's doing today at the John McCallion channel on YouTube. Plus, just do what you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. And if you can, it is sincerely appreciated. Well, all the playing games are done. The playing week, the playing extravaganza is finally over to, well, okay, one good game. And another one was a blowout with a El Foldo act in the second half. But there was a good game earlier in the day with Miami holding out against Chicago. Chicago ran out of gas. And in the last three minutes, Miami's outscored Chicago 15-1 to to pull ahead and pull away with a 102-91 victory. They go on and meet up against Milwaukee starting on Sunday. And in the West, Minnesota, with a big second-half surge, just blew the doors off of Oklahoma City, a young, inspired Oklahoma City where the future is extremely bright. And the future is actually for them now since they're going on vacation. But they did lose 120-95 to to the Minnesota Timberwolves who move on to face the Denver Nuggets on Sunday as well. But here today to talk about all the great matchups and our thoughts and our predictions, although one of our guys doesn't do predictions, but I do have some predictions from our crew on the upcoming Lakers-Grizzlies playoff matchup. But we're also talking the NBA playoffs as well. Good guys indeed. First up, first man here, he is the mastermind behind Ox1947 at LakersBall.com and, of course, his company, Simblaze.com. It is Joe Soro. Joe, great to have you here, my friend. Are you excited NBA playoffs is here? No. Okay. 
All right, that ends our show, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. I'll be excited when we win. Okay, that's that's better. That's better. All right. Well, you know, but you know, the great matchups. There's some really good matchups this weekend. We're gonna run them down. I want to hear your thoughts. So you're not excited <clears throat> for any one of them, including the Lakers I, and Memphis. I I am not excited. Uh, I am anticipating this series, but I'm not excited. I will say this though: both conferences have intriguing four-five matchups. In the West, you have Phoenix Suns taking on the LA Clippers. And in the East, you have the New York Knicks playing uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. And we had discussed this earlier on uh, Sean's show, uh, I should say the snack show, uh, with uh, Tom, Laker Tom, about uh, should uh, Julius Randle uh, come healthy? Uh, that could be a, a series that goes seven. And I'm thinking it's depending on obviously Durant's health, uh, that there's a possibility that the Phoenix and the LA Clippers series could go seven as well. So with those two series, I'd say that's probably going to be the two uh, series besides the Lakers series that I'll be watching or trying to watch as much as I can. And I believe those will be the most competitive series uh, of, of, of the first rounds. Also here today, good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check him out today as part of Man- Magic Man in the Morning. Plus also as well, what he does for us at the Lakers Snack Pack and so much more. It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice. The guy's doing it all day or not an all-nighter because he was with you in the morning, was with you in the afternoon, and guess what? He's here tonight. You still alive, my friend? You got a pulse? I'm I'm good, Gerald. I'm I'm good. Uh, I'm like the postman. Whether rain or sleet or snow, I'll be here on Lakers fast break. Okay. Well, I, I will say that it is like almost like a Christmas Eve for NBA geeks and nerds out there because mm-hmm. this weekend it is the playoff season. The playoff season arrives. We're truly glad that it's here finally. I'll start off with you, Sean. Before I get into looking at you know the various scenarios for the Lakers because uh, a great many of us already actually predicted or had their thoughts on the Lakers Grizzlies matchup. We're going to go ahead and talk about a couple of the other matchups first. I know that that already Joe has talked about the Cleveland New York matchup in the East. That's going to be a barn burner, my friend. I think that's, that's really, if any series at all, any series at all is going to go seven. That's the one I'm targeting as well. I think so, Joe. I think that has the best odds of going all the way. And um, when you think about it, it um, that series could also be one where the home team wins every game. Um, Cleveland's had, a, uh, I think, if not the best record in the NBA, I think it was at least top five. I think they were 31, 32, and nine at home. So the Q is uh, an arena that's difficult to play in, especially when they get really loud. So I think it could go seven. Uh, I'm I'm thinking Cavs in six. So I, I think they basically split the first four games. Each team wins uh, all all of their home games, and then Cleveland takes the game five and six, Gerald. But you're right; it has all the intrigue of a, a game seven. It's just. Can Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson step up four out of seven games and play better than Evan Mobley and Jared Allen? I'm not so sure. That's going to be difficult. 
but also how is the ankle for Julius Randle heading into this? Because, yes, you know, he sprained it pretty badly a couple of weeks ago. It's very tender at this point in time. Last time I heard. So can he give it a go? Do you think he'll be able to be effective at all, at least in the earlier part of the series? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, in the past, when he's when he's had uh, an injury and uh, he's come back, it's been a, it's been skittish at best. He he really hasn't um, had a game where where he's been injured and he comes out and he you know explodes for 35, 40 points. I think it'll be touch and go with him. I think he'll try and and give it a go, but. Uh, I, I just think that first game, Cleveland's just going to come out and just, just I think, hammer them. Fair enough. Fair enough, indeed, my friend. Uh, Joe, there's also another great 4-5 matchup that's going to be on the Western side of things when it concerns the Phoenix Suns and the L.A. Clippers. Your thoughts on this, my friend, because you already talked about the awesome Eastern 4-5 matchup. What are your thoughts on the matchup between Kawhi Leonard's Clippers and the matchup with the Phoenix Suns with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant? Well, they have similar issues. Uh, they're arguably their second best player uh, is not going to be, well, at least for Paul George, not available. Yeah. And I say I'm if le- it goes seven or six, I think he'll come back by then. I'm, I'm saying I'm saying that these have a very good likelihood of going seven because I, I anticipate both coming back. And Sean made a good point that Julius Randle doesn't play well hurt uh, or coming off of injuries. He just his his game is predicated on his elasticity uh, in in getting to the hole or just moving side to side. So it's it's very difficult especially on a high ankle sprain, to do those things, especially this quick since the injury. Now, the Phoenix Suns uh, L.A. Clippers series is is intriguing because Durant has not lost uh, a game since he's gone to Phoenix. Now, the only thing that kind of keeps it a little bit within range for the L.A. Clippers is the fact that Chris Paul uh, – is known to deteriorate as the playoff series prolong. And he's actually already got a head start in his deterioration uh, this season. So we're going to probably know, I'd say in the first couple of games, even though Phoenix will have two home games and Cleveland will have two home games, and you can anticipate possibly that New York or, or the LA Clippers could win the next two games at home. But I, I strongly believe, especially in the Phoenix series, that if Phoenix comes out 2-0 against the Clippers, I don't see that series going past five or six um, at that point. So Clippers are going to have to play hard and win at least one of these two. And then at that point, I think it will go seven. And we will probably see Paul George return before the series is over. Uh, It's kind of a bummer that one of these two teams will be gone because we kind of wanted to see uh, one of, you know, at least for a, a... Competition-wise, you wanted to see those those teams kind of be go go a little bit deeper, but uh, I guess it's that one series where one really good team is going to have to bow out. And I'm predicting that Phoenix will be that team that will go on, and the LA Clippers will officially lose the Shea Gilgis <laughs> Alexander trade by a mile. 
because uh, the, the longer this takes, the more unlikely it is that they are ever going to have any shot at winning a title during the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard era. Good point by Albin that the Knicks bench is substantially stronger than the Cavaliers bench in that 4-5 matchup. Uh, that, that is true. However, folks, benches, while important, starters is what wins championships. So, well, but then, well, let me ask you this, though. The Knicks play Emmanuel quickly 30 minutes a game. That starter He's the exception, there. okay? He's one of those guys that's a six-man that could start, but he plays six because he's egoless and understands that if his best position is in the Manu Ginobili mode, and a lot of the reasons why they've had success this season is because of unselfish players like him, and therefore, there there is there's an advantage there, and and how that that kind of plays out. So I, you know, again, it's it's it, basketball is not complicated if you don't complicate it. Uh, the the end game is to win, and you know, I, I always go back to the Manu Ginobili uh, uh, scenario in anything in life. Okay, here you have a Hall of Famer who said we have a better chance at winning with me being basically the sniper off the bench. Uh, and and he, he almost created his own entity. He was, he, to me, I called it a six starter. I don't think we've ever seen that in the NBA up until he, that moment. He, he's the GOAT sixth man in NBA history. I mean, with all, with all due respect to Kevin McHale, uh, Manu Ginobili uh, won a sixth man. He, he probably should have won an NBA Finals MVP. Uh, but they they gave it to uh, they gave it to somebody else. But he should have won it that year anyway. Go on, Joe. Yeah, he should have won in 05. There is absolutely no doubt against that Pistons team. Uh, that was his. But you know, Duncan is. I guess you can say most valuable player is Duncan. It, it is what it is, right? You could still justify that. But it became a position that's that had never been really created until that moment, and you know. Q is going to win a, a six man. I, I I know I haven't sent my uh, my my submission, Gerald. I pro- apologize for that. I've been in and out all day, but uh, but definitely Q will be the six man of the year for 2023. And I, I believe that right. the Cleveland Cavaliers will eventually win this series against the New York Knicks. I will say though that it is going to be a lot of fun watching this weekend. A whole bunch of great games. The man that. Blue Magic Calls has been on a roll this week. Magic Man, I want to ask you this. Uh, when it comes to what you're seeing in the Clippers-Suns matchup, because, again, these four or five matchups, I really, really am going to enjoy watching. Uh, you know, I th- really think from a basketball purist standpoint, these are going to be very cerebral ones to watch because I think a lot of it comes down to the coaching, what adjustments are going to be made what, uh, who's going to exploit who's, which mismatches or which going to be taken advantage of. Your thoughts on the Suns and the Clippers, when it comes right down to it, the thing I'm leaning on the Suns is the fact that, you know, they have two awesome scores in a pinch that can get you buckets. With the Clippers, they're a good shooting team but they have to rely a lot on Kawhi to manufacture points for them when they're, when they're not hitting their outside shots. Your thoughts on this, my friend, that's two to one to me. 
I still think that means that the, the Suns have the slight edge there. Even if Paul George comes back, he's not going to be 100%. I have a feeling he will come back towards the end of this series, but will it be too little, too late? I think so, Gerald. I think so. I think uh, Phoenix has to have the mindset that they need to just bury them early and, and win the first two games at home. Just, just, just plant the seed that they're not going to be able to come back no matter how hard uh, they're fighting. I think losing George in particular in this series is crucial because they could use him uh, on Devin Booker. Now, like with all due respect to Norm Powell, he's we all know playoff Norm. He can come up big, but I just don't think he's the caliber of defender that uh, George is uh, drilled to try and corral Devin Booker and – I think the Clippers are going to have a hell of a time trying to neutralize at least two of their uh, their four knights there. I mean, you've got you've got uh, KD, Booker, Aiden, and CP3. They they basically I think they have almost like a plus twenty five rating together, which is absurd. So if you're the Clippers, you need to find a way to neutralize at least two of them because, like you said, Gerald. They could probably count on Kawhi, but they're going to need they're going to need a couple of other guys to step up considerably and consistently as well, Gerald. It, it can't be just a couple guys show up off the bench one night and then don't show up the next night. That, that they're not going to be able to defeat the Phoenix Suns with that kind of recipe. So, I, I think two things are really important. One, if the Clippers, I think, like you said, Gerald, want to extend it to six or seven games, I think they have to try and steal home court advantage uh, in the first two, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that, but we'll see. And two is, can you find a way to neutralize CP3 and Aiton? Because I have a feeling Zubots can hold his own against Aiton, but what are we going to see with the CP3 and Russ matchup, Gerald? That's uh, that's really interesting because, as you said, CP3 has taken two steps back defensively, and Russ defensively, but he has, you know, obviously with the advent of uh, getting Kevin Durant, your game is going to be a little bit more efficient now, and he has his numbers have gone up a little bit, of course, in coaligning with KD's arrival. Yes, it has. You're absolutely correct. That's that's just a synergy in motion there. Um, no surprise. Uh, it, it's what you said earlier, Gerald. Is you know Russell who's going to step up outside of Ka- Kawhi Leonard? I mean, yes. Alvin's got Westbrook or Powell. Who is going to step up consistently? Yes, that that's the question. Uh, is it going to is it going to be man? Is it going to be? Um, Russell Westbrook, they need somebody to step up. Norm Powell, yes, somebody because uh, a lot of the a lot of the horses they gambled on have either you know that they've either had to put them out to pasture, or they're not what they they once were. That gray gray mare ain't what she used to be, um, (laughs) with some of these guys. And unfortunately, Gerald, I don't think Ty Lue's had really enough time to understand who plays well together uh, with Kawhi because he's had guys come in and out of the lineup. I mean, he's playing – he's trying to – I think he's trying to really insert Bones Highland 
into a role where him and Kawhi can kind of play off each other. But like you said, Gerald, Russell Westbrook has something to say about that. And he's kind of taking the bull by the horns, so to speak. And outside of Kawhi, he's running the show. And I will say this, guys, uh, before we head on to the next matchups, if Ivica Zubats goes to a draw, to a stalemate with DeAndre Ayton, I think that's a lose for the Suns. The Suns, you know, you have the number one pick in the draft, you know, a few years ago. And if he is not dominating Ivica Zubats, I think that, or they don't play, they don't play Ivica Zubats off the floor, then I think the Clippers are going to be in it. And I think they're going to have a chance to win it. But, you know, I think without George, they're going to have to find ways other than Kawhi to continually score the ball. And I think that might be a problem. So we'll see on that. But yeah, that is the four or five matchup in both the Western and Eastern Conference. Once I'm again, gonna say, I'm going to say the uh, Suns in five, Gerald. You're going to say the Suns in five. Joe, I know you don't like doing predictions, but you you were leaning Suns, if I'm not, not mistaken. I believe the Suns hit win the first two games rather handedly, which I think they should if Durant's going to play the way he's been playing when he's playing. Uh, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't end it in five. Uh, the Clippers only play the Lakers uh, in terms of dominant dominance, uh, everyone else, it's kind of a, a back and forth. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like Albin's uh, really pushing for the Clippers. He really <laughs> Clippers, uh, and, and God bless him if that's the case. Uh, you know, again, this is a team where, on the surface, I had picked to go all the way, and I said they were going to win it this year, or they weren't going to win it at all. And uh, without George, though, it is the the task is tall, Joe. The task is tall indeed. Yeah, especially this was the worst draw they should they, they could have yeah. had. If they had uh, secured the six seed, they might have had a better shot at playing Sacramento uh, while George was healing up. But I don't think George is going to be right for a while. Yeah, his 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 injury was pretty bad, so I think that pretty much put a closed the coffin on the Clippers officially. Well, I should say unofficially official uh, for for any chance of them going all the way and winning a championship. And even if they did, their team wouldn't match up well with any team in the East in the top three. So we're we're not looking at the Clippers being anything. Uh, in, not because we're I'm I'm just anti Clipper. I'm and I'm not really anti Clipper. I shouldn't say that. I don't care for the Clippers. I don't want to mm-hmm. think about them. I don't care about them. They're not to me. They're not a they're an NBA team that's insignificant to me. They are a second-tier franchise that has been playing well in, in the regular season, that have beaten the Lakers in the regular season, uh, all because they had one guy who ran the NBA who gave them a freebie, while the team that was dominating them for 40 years got hosed. And, yes, I am bringing it back, and I will always bring it back because if that did not happen – the dominance that you see would have never happened. So you can eat it, Clipper Nation, the four people that are there, and <laughs> you're going to bow out in the first round and you can suck it. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is late night, the Lakers fast break. We're previewing the NBA playoffs because the plans are all finished. So we now know who is going to play who this weekend for sure. And the 1-8 matchups, I want to go into this, guys. And uh, The thing I ask with both, is is there going to be any competitiveness at all or these like gentlemen sweeps or sweeps? So let's start with you, Sean. When we talk about the East and Milwaukee and what we see from a really 
just Miami was it was outside of the three minutes where they closed it out strong. They were struggling pretty hard against Chicago. So I ask you, my friend, do you see them getting a game or two on Milwaukee in this upcoming series? Or do you think that this long-standing rivalry between these two is not going to be no match this time? Yeah, you know what, Gerald? Uh, I really don't think Miami's going to be in any one of these games in the fourth quarter. I mean, they may be in one of them, but I, I see a clean sweep for the Bucks. Um that that game was so, some parts of that game were were hard to watch tonight, but <laughs> I I just don't see Miami just having the the second gear they need to uh, try and compete against a team like the Bucks. Don't see it. I think it's a clean sweep drill. Joe, do you see them getting any games out of this series at all? Miami, yeah. <sighs> I don't. I, if they were to get something, they'd get one game just by having one of those games where they're just on something similar to the game five in the finals against the Lakers, where they just Jimmy Butler went nuts and he just wouldn't miss. Uh, but if if he if if not, and the Miami Heat team is just depleted in terms of any any consistent efficiency, and uh, they 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 made it they made it through today and. I want to say thank you, Miami, because they helped us secure a 17th pick instead of an 18th pick. So, Miami, thank you for winning. Enjoy your win. Enjoy your playoff spot. But you're not going to get past five at the latest against Milwaukee. But thank you anyways. <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree with Albin and the fact that, you know, if they could rest Middleton, who came up gimpy about a week ago, uh, if they could give him any type of rest in the series – I think that bodes well for their long-term playoff chances. So if they can finish them off in four or five, I think that really bodes well for them. And I think they're going to try and do just that. And they're going to try and see how many minutes they can limit Middleton to in this first round. So he could be more effective for the series going forward. I really like that comment, Albin. So that was really uh, complimentary on your part. So yeah, I really think. Yeah, it, but the, Middleton is a key to our ultimate uh, they, success. They are, but they've they've been acclimated to him not being available and still winning. If they want to play the load management game in the playoffs, though, be cautious, be careful. Uh, you know, usually teams have never done that. It's just not something you do in the playoffs. So just be careful. Don't take things for granted. Otherwise, you end up turning into the 2007 Dallas Mavericks. Another intriguing matchup, though, that I kind of like. They just finished off their play-in, so they got to go to Denver now, and that's the Minnesota Timberwolves. The intriguing thing about this is this is a team that I thought would do much better in the regular season. I didn't think you know they would probably be more than a second round out you know, in the playoffs, but they've got two seven footers, Sean, that they can throw at Nikola Jokic. And you got Anthony Edwards, who was, you know, much better today. He was much better today than he was against the Lakers. Your thoughts. Do you think that they could go ahead and provide any type of challenge at all and stretch this thing out to beyond five games? Uh, mm. That'd be tough, Jill. I think that I think they could do it. I'm just not sure it, it'll Cat happen. Needs, Cat, Cat I mean, Edwards need to blow up. 
They do. They do. They, if they go berserk one game, Gerald, I think they can grab another one. I think I think that's, uh, in all intents and purposes, very, very possible. But they have to go berserk for one game. Um, yeah, I don't think that uh, the Wolves and Nuggets uh, is the same gentleman's sweep in the same way I think the Nets and Sixers would be. I think the the Wolves actually have a fairly competitive team. Um, obviously not they don't have the the middle depth that Denver does. They have a lot of top end depth to match Denver. Uh, but um, I just don't think they have enough firepower to pu- to push it to seven games, Gerald. I think they can push it to to six with a berserker game from those two, but I think it'll go five. McDaniel's being hurt. And Nas Reed being hurt uh, gives them two extra bodies that are not going to be in the lineup. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I really think that if Cat can blow up, maybe you could see this stretched out to six games, but we'll see. The other matchups that are out there is in the three six matchups, which you just mentioned there, Sean. Sounds like you are definitively talking about a sweep or a gentleman's sweep on the side of Philadelphia and Joel Embiid. You really think they're going to have no problem handling this altered team now in the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I don't think so, Gerald. I, but I will say this. I think that Nick Claxton is a very good defender, and I think he could put uh, up a good fight against Joel Embiid, but I think it's just not going to be enough. Um, I, I could see the Nets winning a game, though, Gerald. They, they have. I think they have the most solid depth in the NBA outside of a team with a star. Um, you know, I think if they they added one, it it, it would give them a, a bit more of a a, a fierceness. But I, I think their depth it gives them a game at the most. So yeah, I'd say the Sixers win a gentleman sweep. They've got a lot of shooters on that team. Those shooters have to shoot well. If they can, if they can put up about maybe eighteen to twenty threes, you never know what's going to happen. Joe, any thoughts? You think Joel Embiid is just going to destroy the Nets? Yeah, it's going to be difficult for the Nets to really uh, should any should everyone stay healthy. Uh, I don't see that series going beyond five. I could see the Nets maybe winning one game, and you know I commend the Nets for dealing with what they dealt with this year and still, you know. Finishing off the year fabulously, I I I, I think uh, Jacques Vaughn did an excellent job uh, reeling everybody in, and this is a redo of the pre Durant Kyrie Irving team, where they were building some momentum, they were building some chemistry. The, the, the Nets fans were very vocal on how fun the team was to watch. This is this is the year uh, D'Angelo Russell made the All Star team, and we are Jared Dudley. Watch out! Yeah. So, uh, Josai, uh, you've got a good core here. Don't ruin it by bringing in some diva that's going to jack it up. That's my only the advice. Only thing, <laughs> well, the only thing is though, with that team, uh, they've got what I believe is a great number two in Mikhail Bridges, who has to be their number one right now by default. They've got a lot of very good three, four, and five players on that team as far as players who could be a third, fourth, or fifth option. They've actually, like you said, Sean, they've got a lot of depth on that team there for the future going forward or pieces that you can trade, which Joe 
is kind of feel for, fearful of because we see the kind the writing's kind of on the wall. They've got all these good players. At some point in time, they're going to probably try and trade those players or bundle them with a couple of the draft picks that they got back in the, in the Kevin Durant trade and think about trying to go ahead and speed up that process to go back to where they are or once were with with Kyrie and Kevin once again. Uh, what what would be great is, uh, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Damian Lillard's interview today uh, hinted for the first time since he's been in Portland that he's waiting on some things. So to, to crush... Nick Na- Nick's nation, I think it would be quite hilarious if something like that happened in offseason where the Brooklyn Nets ended up getting a Dame Lillard. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> we're, well, I know he did that on his exit interview. He was, uh, very, yeah, he, it's he was just he already I, he lambasted the organization. I didn't hear, I, well, I, I didn't hear I, this was based off the interview he did today. I, I don't know what he did during the exit interview. That's first similar things, similar, similar. So that's similar so, yeah, so it's it's gotten to that now. Now, Portland has to be crossing their fingers, hoping that there's some miracle that they get they win the lottery. If they win the lottery and get Wimbenyamba, then we're talking about Lillard finally having a little bit of a uh, loyalty uh, return by possibly having a guy that could be uh, his 1-8, right? But how long will that process take? So that's that's going to be an, an interesting question. That contract, that contract gets real ugly. Even with the new CBA, guys, that contract is real. We're talking $60 million closing in on by the time he's, what, 36, 37? Yes, Gerald. And, well, they're going to – the salary cap is uh, predicted to go up, and it's going to go up again in 2024, apparently, uh, especially with all the – $60 million, uh, man. With the CBA not being, you know, with the lockout not looming or anything like that, uh, it looks like everything is going according to plan in terms of progression. There's, yeah, there's... by the way, that means you cheap you cheap SOBs who've got small market teams. You're going to have to hit a floor. You're going to have to hit the floor. The floor is a lot more expensive than It's funny. It's, it's weird. It's funny how they set these up to stop the Lakers, the Houston Rockets, you know, the – the, the Golden the, State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, the big market teams. When in fact they actually are going to jack everyone, because what jacked the Oklahoma City Thunder in the early 2010s was they made one crucial mistake that probably cost them a dynasty. I know they didn't win one, and we couldn't predict anything, but the common sense says Oklahoma City Thunder would have likely been the Golden State Warriors of the 2010s because you would have had a prime Westbrook, a prime Durant, and a prime Harden on the same team. That that team is winning a championship, okay? They're winning a championship. All you had to do was max out Harden. And at the time, just so that you guys know, I know hindsight's 2020. at the time, Harden's deflation in that finals – in 2012, set a negative tone on whether they wanted to invest that kind of money in James Harden. And so they gave the money to Ibaka. So they gave it to Kenyon Martin. 
I'm sorry, Kevin Martin. Jeez, Kevin Martin. Kevin Martin, like a year later, which you're going, dude, I, I get, I get it, but even in a billion years, you should have known that James Harden was going to still be a better player and probably live up to the contract, right? But again, hindsight's 2020. I'm sure that if they were able to reverse a year later, they probably would have just paid him the max and went, went forward with it. But a lot of that also had to do with the, the setup of the NBA. And because the owners are a bunch of schleppers that can't control themselves, <laughs> this is the result. So we are always in this mode of having to deal with dumb billionaires making mistakes that us fans and us little guys have to put, have to, have to, you know, feel the brunt of, right? They have to put these stupid rules, super max, mega max, ultimate max, uh, <laughs> ludicrous max. Like how many maxes are we going to do here? Either, either you put you, just put a hard cap and just stop this crap. I can't understand the NBA CBA half the time anyways. And I'm sitting there reading it going, why am I not understanding this? I've been watching this game for how long? I've been reading this how long? Every other day, it's something different. You know, who the hell knew you can just go sign some random guy like Aaron McKee to put him in a trade for some guy? Like, I didn't know that at the time. I'm like, what the hell is Aaron McKee doing in this trade? Oh, they called him from the house. and They said, hey, Aaron, you want to make a couple mil? Uh, yeah. All right. We're going to pay you. I'm going to put you in the trade to go to Memphis. Dueling. Dueling. The guard. For, uh, Him too. Yeah. Kevin yeah, Dueling. Keon Dueling. Keon Dueling. Yes. Uh, man, these two, that's the only reason I know these names because they get thrown into these trades. They, uh, they literally sign them like retired like a year before. Or, yeah. It just. I don't know crazy. how the hell we remember any of this crap, but it's there. It's there indeed. But it is late night with the Lakers fast break. The other. 3-6 matchup in the West. Very intriguing, guys. Sacramento wants to light that beam. A lot of a lot of people, a lot of people, more people that are picking them, meaning the Golden State Warriors, over the Sacramento Kings than, the, than are people picking almost any other outside of Milwaukee and, the, and, and maybe you save for what you're talking about with the Philadelphia 76ers, but Golden State is seemingly the overwhelming favorite heading into as a number six seed going into Sacramento, facing off against a number three. Very surprising, overachieving, awesome story. Sacramento Kings with coach of the year, most likely Mike Brown. Actually, he did get already voted coach of the year, Mike Brown. Your thoughts on this, Sean? When it comes to it, it's going to come down to the Golden State offense versus the Sacramento defense because I think that Sacramento's still going to light it up against whatever defense Golden State has out there. The question is, can they defend at all, at all against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be the uh, the question, Gerald, because. Outside of Harrison Barnes, only a couple guys have really had a cup of coffee in the playoffs, so they're a very inexperienced group as well, um, especially now where the games are going to be a little tighter. This is just different now. You're in the playoffs. This isn't the regular season anymore, and I'm just we're going to see when the bullets actually start flying, uh, how focused and how ready and how prepared the Kings are because I, I think in, in the large part, Sacramento should be favored. Um, not a lot of space between the two teams as far as wins are concerned. Um, yes, 
Sacramento had the number one offense. And by the way, it was rated the number one offense in, in NBA history. So they're, 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 they're headed towards it. I think they're headed towards a torpedo, Gerald. I really do. I think, I think unfortunately the, the Warriors are going to, going to blow them up. I think that, um, they're going to have a hard time stopping Poole and the Splash Brothers because we saw the the three of them combined this year for almost 783s. So you're talking about three guys basically averaging about nine threes a game. Just just those three guys. It's about you being coaching staff and your game planning. And, yeah, so their backcourt's probably going to just – average about 10 threes on us to give you an idea the clippers who are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the nba shot on an average 31 and a half so oh. to give you an idea of what that so oh my gosh yeah so yeah. there's I mean, going to be well damonta sobonis as great as he has been on offense and how they feed the offense around him similar to what nikola Jokic does in denver there's going to be an issue about him defending at the rim because he's not a rim protector, good rebounder, but it's going to be something where how much can he stop the drives? How will that team be able to stop the drives from Curry, from, uh, you know, even players like Kaminga who, who have known to go ahead and slash to the basket. You know, they obviously got that great passing touch. Even if the threes aren't falling, they're still always able to go ahead and drive inside. And like you talk about focus, they've not had the focus all year when they're on the road, I think that's going to change come playoff time. I agree with you, Gerald. I, I think the the light switch uh, goes on, and they they I think that it's possible they might they might take both games. I I think they're they're definitely going to take one. Um, it's Sacramento does have the shooting to 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 try and keep up, but I like you said, Gerald. I just don't think they have. The chops defensively, so I'm going to go with the Warriors in six. Your thoughts, Joe, on the series? Again, uh, the champs uh, look like the, even though they should be the underdog, are actually the favorites going in here in Vegas. I've, I've had a chance today uh, to listen to more commentary on the radio since I was on the road a lot. I don't know. I don't know about the series like I thought it a day ago even uh the golden state warriors are terrible on the road not bad terrible they only won 11 games on the road all year yeah it's like lottery level that is just not good in any team whether it's a playoff team a, a a bottom team like nothing i've never seen a team that bad on the road, that's a six seed. I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't even know if an eight seed was would warrant it. I mean, it's just not a good road team. So, if you're talking about a team that can run you out the building and they've been doing it all year and had one of the greatest offenses, at least statistically, in an NBA season, if these guys jump the Warriors in the first two games in Sacramento, I don't think Golden State comes back from an 0-2 deficit. I just don't see it. And the fact that everyone has predicted, and it didn't matter whether it was Golden State, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Indiana Pacers from the E, and it didn't matter who. Everyone's like, oh, whoever faces the oh, we all want to face the Kings. Oh, we, we don't want to face it. We don't want to, we don't want that fifth seed. 
We don't want Fissy. No, we don't want the Fissy. We don't want to face Phoenix. We want to face the Sacramento Kings. So if you don't think Coach Brown is in there going, dude, every team out there, and this is one of the few times I, I it is true, because usually the nobody believing us rhetoric is just made up a lot of times. People make it up like Travis Kelsey at the podium. I'm like, hey, no one thought we were going to win in the preseason. No one thought. I'm like, dude, you have Patrick Mahomes and half the freaking league predicted to win us. What are you talking about? I Half of Fox predicted you guys were going to win. Like, what delusion are you in? But in this case, it's legit. Everybody, whether it's on the media, whether it's us, like we've been sitting around going, oh, man, let's just get the sixth seed. Let's just get the sixth seed so we can face the Kings. So if you don't think Mike Brown is saying everyone out there thinks you guys are going to bow out in the first round and not only bow out, like get destroyed, they got to come out running out, running, gunning, and, and winning those first two games. If they do, sayonara to Golden State. And then the Kings will probably lose in the second round. Sanger Stein says one thing she knows is that Sabonis needs to drop. Those threes come from G- uh, Golden State Warriors penetration. Kings are bad defensively, but Warriors have two to three non-shooters every time too. But, you know, those two to three shooters that they have, <laughs> Sean, can get hot at any time. And if Thompson, you know, is anywhere near the Thompson that we've known from the past, which we've seen glimpses of this year, along with Curry and Poole, that could be really, really tough for Sacramento to overcome and light the beam. Of course. Yeah, Ger- Gerald, like, so over the course of 82 games, the Warriors had 12 40-point bursts. Steph had six. Clay had four, Poole had two. So you're looking at at least one of them going crazy in this series for over 40, statistically speaking. If that happens, it's likely one or two of them go bonkers again for another game. So that's another game I would I would give to the Warriors as well. I just like it because there's going to be so much offense, comparatively yes. speaking. Yeah, we're going this- to see a lot of teams slow it down. Uh, you know, if you saw the Miami game earlier this evening, that's what I'm expecting most of the games to be like. But this might be a shootout for for however long it lasts. Yeah, you know, Gerald, I'm I'm sort of thinking that way as well. I'm thinking it's like when the the Lakers played the the Nuggets and Sleepy Floyd would go off for like 40 points, and uh, and you know the games are like 142, 138. I'm I'm thinking along those same lines, Gerald. I think. It's going to be high scoring. I remember listening to those on my transistor radio and listening to Chick. Yeah, call it out. And man, he was so unhappy with Sleepy Floyd. (laughs) I don't know what it was about Sleepy Floyd that really bothered Chick Heard, but he just got under his skin. That he did. That he did indeed. But we finally come to the two eight matchups coming up, the two seven matchups coming up right now. It is. Of course, late night with the Lakers fast break. It is Joe Soro, Sean Grice, and me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. The chat has been going great, as always. The best Lakers chat room that's out there is right here at the Lakers fast break. Joe, I'm going to start with you with the first 2-7 matchup, and that is the Boston Celtics versus Atlanta. Atlanta had an impressive win on Tuesday. They're a little younger than the Lakers. They've had four days off heading into... Well, actually, they'll have three days off, a little bit, almost four days off, heading into the matchup against Boston. You think they could pose any kind of challenge at all to the Boston Celtics? They could. 
when you have players who are young and and can shoot and can get to the basket, I just thought I was impressed that Atlanta's playing game where they just they destroyed Miami from pretty much the tip. Well, they've got this talented roster that just is seemingly underwhelmed since they went to the conference finals. I I just think I think the team probably just now that they've kind of gotten past the regular season fiasco that they were in there, they can now just focus on, okay, well, that's done. Let's just go for it. Atlanta, you know, they've got the talent to make some 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 noise here. Obviously, I don't think there's any chance they'd win the series, but I'd say if Atlanta plays at their highest peak, I could see a 4-2 series. Let but I'm going to predict though if if it gets close is it because of coaching because you have a rookie coach going against a seasoned veteran coach I don't I don't mm, I don't think so in this scenario uh I I just I haven't seen either coach coach badly this year mm-hmm. from the few games I haven't watched a lot of games a lot of Atlanta games uh, I, I did watch the Atlanta uh, Miami game. Was just impressed. Miami was, went up 2-0, and then they never saw a lead again. That's that's a really good game to have, especially where you were and where you've been this season. But the Celtics, I don't see uh, I, I, Magic. I'm sorry, I don't see a, a sweep uh, unless unless some kind of injury happens to the Trey. I, I just I, I see a competitive series, but I see uh, Boston probably going five. So magic five. So magic, you see a sweep for for them. Not even one game where trade literally goes off for 40 plus and the depth of Atlanta, which is pretty good. You see that roster, and you got to be impressed. They've just never put it together since the conference finals. You don't see them at all going ahead and getting a game from the Celtics. No, Gerald, because I I, I think uh, it's true. They do have really nice depth. And, uh, you know, you've got multiple guys. Steve Bay, John Collins, uh, A.J. Griffin. Really like uh, Okongwu. Yeah, Okongwu. You've got multiple guys who can score 15 points a game or more. And uh, along with that, that's very complimentary with Trey. I agree with that. I just... They got swept during the season series. The Celtics won all three games. All three games. Uh, I just I don't see a scenario where where Atlanta if Atlanta doesn't if Atlanta doesn't win game one, uh, then it's gonna be incumbent upon them to win game three in Atlanta. If they don't win game three, usually if you're down 0-3 in the NBA, it's uh what did uh what did Nick Van Exel say, Gerald? One, two, three, Cancun. Cancun. Yes, Cancun indeed. All and right. Guys, so- but traded to Denver. <laughs> Shaq was irate. Wrong place, wrong time to say that. I, yep. I get it, but wrong place, wrong time, brother. Absolutely. And you, you can go back to one of our Laker History 101s if you want to go ahead and check out our thoughts on that. But Speaking of the Lakers, we're going to close out the show with them, and I will go ahead and provide some of the thoughts from some of the other guys that were able to contribute as far as their thoughts on the series for predictions. But it is the Lakers and Grizzlies coming up this Sunday. We will provide our usual playback.tv slash Lakers fast break coverage, plus also as well, we will also be able to go with our post-game coverage, which is second to none out there. Your thoughts, though, Magic? You've had some time to think about it. You've had a chance to talk to a lot of people on your shows about it. Your 
you know, have you changed in your mind? Because I'm, I'm not that, I'm not that high. I, I mean, I'm, I'm predicting a Lakers four-two series victory, but I'm not very strong on it. I really think that the the Memphis Grizzlies, even with the two injuries, they match up really well with the Lakers in all those deficient spots that the Lakers have. Your thoughts on this, my friend? I think the Lakers will be very fortunate to get out of this series with a victory because a lot of people, you know, are thinking that that the Lakers might have some trouble with the youth of my with of Memphis. Yeah, Jill, I can I can understand that uh, that logic over a seven game series that youth can can uh, uh, sort of wilt away the uh, the expectations and the um, um, kind of the I guess confidence that the Lakers have in themselves but some just tells me that, that by the skin of their chinny chin chin that uh, I I think ad dominate dominates at least four out of seven games I think so uh I think um ultimately their youth is going to put us to the test it goes right down to the wire I think Gerald I think this this series goes like possession by possession to me that it's so close. So I, I see the Lakers winning at seven, I, but it's, it's by the closest of margins, Gerald, like you said, Memphis matches up really well. Joe, when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Lakers, the Grizzlies younger, more athletic, they run the break just as well as the Lakers uh, they have two guys that shoot better than anyone on the Lakers. I'm concerned, my friend. I'm still picking the Lakers at six, but it's very shaky. Your thoughts on this matchup? Have I know you've also been on the road thinking about this as well. Anything change, you know, since you've been on the road? Well, I don't. I don't see youth being a issue in this particular series. The only person who's, you know, gray in the head in the head. Uh, is LeBron James. Uh, Lakers are just, they're right around that mid-20s for everyone else other than maybe AD who just turned 30. I don't think youth is going to play a factor in this. I think what's going to play a factor in it is the Lakers have to be focused and Darvin Ham has to surprisingly know how to rotate his players in correct spots. And if, you know, he wants to help his team even more, maybe somehow talk to someone, maybe uh, Mike D'Antoni, maybe that guy up there in Boston that can uh, shoot him a, a couple of inbound plays. You know, inbound plays sometimes are good, you know, momentum starters after a, a dismal series before. Uh, the Lakers will lose this series because there's a couple guys down. I'd say if Steven Adams was was playing and uh, if Brandon Clark were playing, I would almost guarantee that the Lakers would lose lose this series in six. But being missing those two guys, even though they're not superstars, they're for, for, in terms of what they bring to the team, in terms of the depth, it's they're, they're they're invaluable. So if the Lakers want to shock the world and beat the Memphis Grizzlies. They're going to have. They're going to need good leadership from the coaching, and they have to go into every game from here on out, not uh, submitting eighteen point leads in the first half and stop sitting your best guys for seven minutes, Darvin. 
This is not game 55, please. We might have been able to finish off Minnesota a little bit easier if you didn't sit AD from what was what the eight minute mark in the first quarter till the three minutes till three minutes into the second quarter. What the freak are you doing? Like what what's going on? So my thought, you know, because I'm a positive guy, you know, behind the scenes, I was thinking, oh, I know what he's doing. He wants to save AD for the end. Well, what if the end didn't come? What if the Lakers were down 18 in the fourth? Now what? How about making sure the beginning is done right? We'll worry about it later. We'll worry about that later. Or maybe you could just rotate your players better. But I don't know. You know, I'm just a guy out on podcast. I don't know what I'm doing, right? So the Lakers, out of the Laker glasses, the Lakers are probably going to lose this series in six. However, when you have LeBron James and you have, in my opinion, still the best big man when you're in that vacuum, as they say, you always have a chance. And the youth around the Lakers, they're talented. You know, Beasley could get hot. I had predicted that Beasley might win the Lakers a game from a shooting. And, of course, D'Angelo Russell, the X factor, as everyone used to like to say. They don't usually use that a lot nowadays. But the X factor is going to be D'Angelo Russell. Dennis Schroeder, I've heard, could be that guy as well. But D'Angelo Russell is the key for the Lakers to advance and he has to play every game, every single game in this series, like he is the third star. Let me ask you this, both you guys. Who stops John Morant? No one. No one slows you put him Van- down? You put, you put Vanderbilt on that guy, and you you get up on his face, and you don't worry about getting dunked on, and you don't worry about getting burnt. You don't. You you sit down. If, you're, if I'm Darvin Ham, God help me. If I'm Darvin Ham, I sit down the Vandalorian and I play the Mandalorian and I go, I need you to be this guy catching Han Solo. Han Solo right now is John Moran. Ooh, I got deep on that one, didn't I? That just came out of nowhere. You stick to that guy and you put him in carbon freeze. Try to get him in carbon freeze. That's it. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about scoring. Don't worry about anything. But unfortunately, I don't think Darvin Ham has that kind of process. He's too busy jumping on his players after they win a game. Hopefully that will change, and hopefully the adjustments will be made. Uh, Schroeder has also done an okay job as well, so I'm sure we'll see plenty of Schroeder as well on John Morant. I was going to use another analogy, but I thought it was too soon. Okay. We'll wait and see. Plus, I didn't want Gerald to cringe and worry about the censors. Well, I, I think Vanderbilt will be guarding him quite a bit, but we'll see. I think you got to go ahead and, and try and see, you know, how his jump shot is. If see, because uh, because Adams isn't in, uh, like, in the lineup, Gerald, he's not able to goon goon himself into the paint, which is what he loves to do. He loves to goon people more than anything else. Um, and I, I was. Me and Tom were going over this, and uh, I was going over it with Nick as well. The big difference between guys like Rudy Gobert and, like, say, Zubats versus a guy like Adams is those two guys are very mechanical, very robotic, but but still efficient with their, their picks. Adams really loves to 
put his body into people and hurt you and 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 make you think twice about uh coming into the paint that's why him and triple j are so effective triple j is more of a finesse uh ferocity type of uh type of uh, paint protector whereas adams is more deterrent pro deterrent rather i would rather see you not come into the paint so i'm going to hit you as hard as i can the grizzlies don't have that uh that sandpaper there in the in the paint anymore Gerald. i think it's incumbent upon the lakers and it like me and tom were saying it doesn't matter who it is it could be ad it could be lebron it could be austin reeves it could be dennis schroeder somebody get triple j in foul trouble get him off the floor that's a key i think that's really a key when it comes down to it before we head it out, I'm going to go ahead and run down the predictions for this series by uh, so many of our great panelists here at the Lakers Fast Break. Kenneth Stone, pretty much everyone knows that we're there. The first time he said it out loud on Tuesday that the Lakers are going to win 4-2 to two in that series. I concurred with him, although my 4-2 and two is a lot shakier than his. He was really much more rock solid on it. Me, I, I again, I just think I'm, I'm – guessing the way the flow is going to go with this series. And I think that's going to go Lakers way, but man, do they not have great matchups at all against Memphis? I think Memphis really, uh, if they play smart and they play with their heads instead of getting emotional, which they sometimes do, they can actually beat the Lakers and beat them pretty handily, but they do not play with uh, controlled emotions a lot of the time. So we could see a lot of issues there. And that's why I'm, Still sticking with the Lakers in six games. Nick Molina means uh, he said seven games with the Lakers winning four to three with two games going to OT plus Dylan Brooks and Austin Reeves ejections. Okay, so look forward to that one. Uh, Henry Hill from Courtside Lakers. He says Lakers four to two. They should have no answer to aggressive uh, AD as long as AD is uh, okay and stays upright. Uh, you know, he, if he's aggressive and is healthy, then he should dominate. If that means the Lakers four to two victory, I think uh, TJ TJ Johnson said he's thinking Lakers in six. No, Stephen Adams hurts their interior too much. Jamie Sweet, aka Yami Sweet, says Lakers four to two as well. So six games seems to be the predominant one everybody's thinking. So Tom himself says Lakers in six. So there you go. Uh, six games. And then you, Sean. Tom said Lakers. six. I thought he said five on the show today. Okay. Because I'm looking at the email he said earlier in the week. Maybe he, he changed his mind. Maybe he changed his mind indeed. So that's uh, very confident on Laker Tom's part. And then you, Sean, said Lakers in seven. Yes, I did, Gerald. Yes, I did. So you think, you're thinking they're going to, like Nick Molina, thinking they're going to win on the road in Memphis in, in game seven. Yes. Uh, yes, Dan. If 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 they uh, if John Morant gets hurt, Triple J gets hurt. Uh, Desmond Bain suffers. Desmond a Bain suffers a torn Achilles. Yes, we would sweep them. But this and all has Luke to happen Kinnard. tonight. This all has to happen Saturday night. <laughs> and, and Luke Kennard has to forget how to how to shoot. Even well, though I'm not worried about Luke Kennard. Yeah, but the guy's shooting fifty-five percent. Not with those three training. guys out. He's he's in, insignificant. They get the they get the the Space Jam uh, this fit. Don't say that because when you say stuff like that, Luke Kennard is just the guy who's going to hit those two to three three pointers that are going to kill you. So. No, the only thing that killed us is penetration to the basket. If that that continues to happen, Chris Dunn was roasting us the other night. 
until they finally stopped in the second half. Uh, but this is, you know, Chris Dunn is not John Morant. So they better, again, put the Vandalorian on him and just – he gets out, sit Vando. As soon as he comes back in, put Vando back in. Just tire his butt out. I don't care if he drops 40. Tire him out and just let him be the guy and let everyone else phase out. So that's that's to me when you have a star like that that can do what he does, you gotta you gotta take you. He's only the he's the real only star. Could on you that see team. them going big though? With uh, if you put Vando on the point, playing Jaw, you line him up with let's say Reeves, then you've got maybe Rui with LeBron and AD. Could you see that? That's a big lineup. Mm, right no, there. I don't. Mm. I don't see that. Yeah, I'm, I don't see uh, Darvin Ham ever sticking to a big lineup he's infatuated with analytics which tell him that small lineups are always going to work even when you have a a team that's destroying you physically and getting every offensive rebound fair enough oh that's another tidbit by the way for those who say that we don't know what the hell we're talking about okay guys i want you guys to pay attention to (laughs) offensive rebounds do you pay attention to offensive rebounds and the numbers guys when you're watching the game or are you just watching the box scores and, and and the nice little baskets back and forth Okay. After a while, you start to notice offensive rebounds against your team. You know why that happens? Because a coach decides to go small against an efficient big team. Do I need to go into more detail here, Gerald? No. I'll, I, if, but if they're shooting well from three, Bain, Jackson, and Luke Kennard, that could also spell doom because the Lakers, you know, they're kind of iffy when it comes to their three-point shooting. Playoff time. This starts to get a little bit less visible, just so you yeah. know. So we saw Minnesota. And a little more tight. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Minnesota played their butts off in the first half. They were playing defense like I'd never seen. I saw Cat playing defense like I'd never seen. But guess what happened in the end? Because the game is so fast, right? You you know, Gerald's game, you know, scoring, all the happy stuff, right? They ran out of gas at the end. That's why the, they couldn't score in the late fourth and overtime. They were dead. They couldn't do anything. Not even Conley could do anything because he's a little bit long of the tooth, right? So if they're going to hit every basket, they're going to need to hit every basket like the said some a bad word the clippers when the last the last time we played them that's they a bad word they they didn't yeah they didn't miss from three for four quarters so you want to make it easy on yourselves you guys think you can play defense like that for four quarters and make threes then it's a sweep they do that consistently for four games memphis wins in four but we know that's not going to happen but that's how you beat the lakers at this point especially if they're focused you're going to you're going to have to hit your threes, and you're going to have to play all four quarters. Again, it's not really rocket science. That's that's basketball, right? Play all four quarters, be consistent, make your shots when they're open, and you'll win the game. Uh, whether this team can do that or not, I don't know. I think penetration, I think uh, driving dish is what really is going to be it. But if, if you can pressure John Moran enough to where he has to struggle for every shot, even though he makes it, uh, and you stay with your guy, Dar- Darvin, don't double team. You don't need to double team in this series. Play the one guy you know that has the athleticism and the verticality to freaking play. At least somehow be a nuisance to John Morant and stick to the Baines 
and stick to whomever's out there, the canards, and let one guy beat you while you hopefully play a cohesive team uh, basketball. What about clogging up the lane? They're going to have to at least clog up the lane a little bit in order to make it harder for John Morant to go ahead and do what he likes to do best. Uh, that's a good question. Is uh, AD guarding three guys? Well, I'm assuming he's going to be on Xavier Tillman. If he's on JJJ, that's a problem because JJJ, you know, will drift. Triple J will drift to the outside. So expect a lot of three uh, illegal defenses because uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this last few months. We saw that call a lot more than usual because AD is covering everyone's rear end because Darvin Ham doesn't really have an efficient defensive scheme to keep his main guy in a spot where he would probably win a defensive player of the year. He has to guard everyone else's guy. It's a it's an ongoing issue. I, I, I I'm not trying to I'm not trying to bash Darvin Ham here, but you're asking these questions, and these are the this is this is what's going on, and it happens to be coincidentally something that we've been discussing a little bit this last week because of certain uh, fans of ours uh, commenting about how we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to Darvin Ham. Guys, this is the issue, right? Can you adjust? Can Darvin Ham adjust? Basketball players want to be coached, doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Michael Jordan, whether it's Anthony Davis, LeBron James, they want to be coached. So you're going to have to coach these guys and putting them in spots that give you the advantage. And every quarter, every game, every team is a constant change throughout the game. It is not set Shaq in the block and give him the ball. You know how to set the offense, the defense for the four quarters that way. Those days are gone, guys. It's over. Okay, one quarter, John Morant is going to the hole nonstop making baskets. The next thing that's going on, Desmond Bain is hitting threes left and right. In the next quarter, Stephen Adams is getting every offensive rebound and going and, 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 and tipping it in. This is the NBA now. So if you're not going to coach according to minute-by-minute minute, uh, situations, you're not going to succeed. I do want to say, though, that Adam has a point. The Lakers don't get enough credit for what they do. They just get knocked for their mistakes, yet they keep winning. But we call it like we see it, Adam. The wins that they're getting that are close in the past week have been, uh, you know, against sub-500 teams or teams right around the 500 mark. They're not playing a team right around the 500 mark. They're playing a 50-win team on Sunday, which Adam. is uh, quite a bit different. Gerald made a good point, guy, uh, Adam. Uh, we we played one solid team in this last few weeks, and we got our butts handed to us. This is about competition. The Lakers had the easiest record – I'm sorry, the easiest schedule from the All-Star break till the end of the season. Yes, I'm happy they went 17-7 and to finish the season. We're all happy. But the competition was not fierce. It just wasn't. I'm sorry, it isn't. Now it's going to be fierce. And when you have fierce competition, coaching, especially in the playoffs, is paramount. Okay? Paramount. And you already had a playoff-like game a few days ago where the coach that we've been critical of still was making 
high school mistakes in coaching. I'm sorry. It's what it is. It's not me being negative. Yeah, they won. But at what cost? At what cost was that win? The cost is you're draining your team in a game that, in my opinion, they had no business being in. They should have been already in the playoffs. So what's going to happen here? We'll find out. And God, please, I want to be wrong. I want everything to change for the good. I do. But I don't see it at this moment today at 11.30 or 11.13 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I think it's like 5 in the morning over there where Sean is, where he doesn't sleep. Yeah, I'm not in Italy, but yeah. You're t- I know it's, it's pretty late. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm going to say, Zian and, and Adam, is that, again, the Lakers have not fared very well since they've played a team that was really thinking about the, making a mark in the playoffs, uh, and that is the Los Angeles Clippers, against teams that were either already headed to what we see with the lottery or a team like Minnesota that, well, you've seen the up and down roller coaster has been even up more up and down than what the Lakers have gone through in the past month or two. Then you see what happens there. But yeah, it just, again, we're facing a 50 plus win team, Sean. Uh, I think uh, as Z, as Z is saying, Desmond Bain, you got to worry about him going off as far as from behind the arc. You got to go ahead and worry about Luke Kennard hitting some clutch threes because he shoots over 50%. You got Triple J that can shoot for the uh, outside jumper as well and block a lot of shots and create a lot of havoc if you don't get him in foul trouble. A lot of ifs for the Lakers that they have to overcome starting this Sunday. There are a lot of ifs, Gerald. Uh, The one constant we do know, uh, put the ball in the hole more times than the other team, and you're going to win the game. So if they can find a way to clamp down defensively, like I said, I think the first 10 minutes of that game are going to be key because I think Memphis wants to come out uh, and just throw the hammer down. I think they're going to be very aggressive, probably probably more so uh, than ever before, to try and send a message. Um, They're cocky enough that uh, I think those players might uh, steer away from from uh, t- uh, Jenkins' game plan enough just to try and send a message to the Lakers. And, like, we know from experience, Gerald, LeBron's played in 50 uh, game ones in his career. He's 29 and 21. He's normally taken the the attitude that I feel out game ones. I try and st- – like, it's chess to LeBron, right, Gerald? He, he tries to see – eight to ten moves down uh, the board. And he often uses game one as an evaluator more so than a litmus test, so to speak. He's never really discouraged if he loses a game one. He's not really overly excited if he does win a game one either. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he plays, how he feels this through. I think uh, it's incumbent upon them to play really well in game one. If they can somehow punch Memphis like right in the face, I, I think uh, it's it's going to cause them to uh, step back a little and rethink their strategy. Well, I certainly hope that that's the case. Once again, it's late night with the Lakers fast break. It's been great talking to you both about the upcoming NBA playoffs. 
We might even be on tomorrow night for a recap of the playoff action and one last preview of the Los Angeles Lakers and the, and the Memphis Grizzlies. And of course, Sunday for sure, we'll be back with playback.tv slash Lakers fast break. We're going to be cheering on the Lakers as hopefully they will get a game one victory. And then after the game, no better place to go for the post game than right here at the Lakers fast break. Guys, any last thoughts on the NBA playoffs? It's finally here. We're on the eve. It's playoff eve, guys. Got to be a lot of fun this weekend. Oh, yes, Gerald. It's uh, it's the best time of the year to be an NBA fan. Um, this weekend is great. I- I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. Joe, any last thoughts before we head on out, my friend? Yes. Uh, Jordan, again, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea you know, anything about basketball, you should go back to watching uh, croquet or something. But uh, um, <laughs> there are two things that I'm focused on for this playoff run equally. Number one, obviously the Lakers winning, hopefully. 1A is making sure that the Lake, that the Celtics don't win number 18 before we do. So those are the two things I'm going to be paying attention to in this playoff. Anything else happen beyond that? I couldn't give two craps. I don't care if the Suns win it. I don't care if Philadelphia wins it. I don't care if Atlanta wins it. I don't want the Celtics to win, and I'm supporting the Lakers to win. Uh, The Lakers secured a pretty darn good draft pick today after worrying about that all year. Uh, my other, though my other, my only other worry, um, besides the Lakers, is uh, obviously the Celtics not winning championship 18 before we do. So now we're now we have to we have to see how that plays out. And, and the second that's done, should it be done, let's say Philadelphia takes them out in the second round, I will have a sigh of relief where I can pop a beer, pop a. Honey Jack and Coke, whatever, uh, rum and Coke, and just say, okay, let's let's see what happens the rest of the way. Let's see what happens in the summer, and then we can kind of be free, you know, just, you know, be out there and, you know, happy and, you know, stuff, you know. Stuff. Okay. Jordan says you owe us something for the Lakers making the playoffs. I don't think so. I don't. Th- I think you're all caught up on all the bets. I don't know you. Right? I don't know anyone. Jack squat. Okay. You've already done I the ate. Challenge. I ate a stupid cardboard chip, which was worthless. By the way, it was the most ineffective chip ever. Most overrated chip burn ever. And then you, I eat the blazing uh, wing at Buffalo Wild Wings, which is hot as hell. Mm-hmm. And did nothing, guys. I'm impervious to pain, and I'm impervious to uh, stomach issues. So I was probably the worst guy to do that stuff. And that's the last time I'm doing that stuff. It's just not gonna happen again. Yeah, I think you're all caught up. Yeah, I'm good. You're all caught up. Yeah. So that's you know, maybe Who's someone George? else. Uh, yeah, I, I think he meant you, Joe. I didn't cheat. Cheating is if I didn't if I did something and didn't tell you. I told you I was gonna I wasn't gonna sit there like an idiot for 15 minutes. Dying. Okay. I had my shake. You knew the rules. You got a problem with it? Go talk to the commissioner. Or try it yourself and video. Yeah, do it yourself. You tell me how you how you can handle it. Heck, go live on YouTube. Yeah, go, go live on YouTube and you do it. I we have a form here for you, Jay. Go ahead and do it. 
Go buy it. Go buy that $17 chip, by the way. What a freaking scam. What a freaking racket. That's probably what bothered me the most. It wasn't the chip. I'm like, 17 bucks for this stupid thing, really? But I care about the, the show, and I care about, you know, living up to my what I say. And that's, you know, we had some fun with it. It's all, it's all good. Adam, we want to be wrong. We want to want the Lakers to go all the way. So, you know, we're just going to say, like, we call it like we see it. So right now, they're not exactly at the, the highest peak of strength going into the playoffs because they've had some very shaky wins. Uh, I did predict the Lakers at six, but I'm not exactly confident in it. Joe said what he said. Magic has said what he said. You know, it is what it is. Do we think the Lakers are going to go all the way? We'll see. I mean, some of us on the panelists do. Some of us, are, you know, think maybe it's not going to be our year. But then again, the Lakers are in a much better position than all of us thought that they would be. Nobody on our staff picked them to be seventh place in the Western Conference because of all the changes that were made. So we're all happy for that. And we all want the Lakers to go ahead and get a 18th world championship as far as that's concerned. So that would be the best thing. And if it means us being proven wrong, absolutely. Raul, we said, we said, uh, I, I know I did. Pat Bev is a zero and he ended the yes. year with zero where he belongs. I think one of the key plays is when they, in that last three minutes, when they were being scored 15 to one, there was an offensive set. And, and Magic, I know you saw this one, is when they had an offensive set and Pat Bev was, had the ball, had a wide open three and decided to pass it up. Oh, I thought you were going to say he brought a camera on the. No, he just pa- he passed it That's up to it. Alex Caruso because, you know, Alex Caruso is the sharpshooter. <laughs> you know, I love God. him. God bless him. Yeah. But, you know, if you're depending on Alex Caruso to hit your threes for you, you know, in a clutch situation, at least he's going to take it. At least the guy's got the guts with the five shots he takes his game. He will take it in clutch moments. As for Pat Bev, well, you get what you get with that one. But once again, it is the Lakers fast break. The Lakers are starting off their playoff series against Memphis on Sunday afternoon. Hopefully you'll join us. Playback.tv, so that's Lakers fast break. Again, Maybe a recap tomorrow night of the playoffs, but Joe. I want to send a shout out to my boy Demi out in Modesto. Thanks for thanks for watching. He's got our show on his big screen in his living room. I love you, brother. I'm going to be seeing you soon uh, this summer. I'm going to be visiting for a week, and I'm going to make sure that I hang out with every one of my old peeps without the excuse of, ah, oh, you guys weren't there that weekend or that week. I'm taking the whole week, and I'm going back to the roots to go say what's up to all my crew. And uh, again, thanks for watching. I'm glad I'm, I'm available on, you know, on TV here for any time. If anybody who says, man, I haven't seen you in a long time. I'm like, just subscribe. You'll see me every day, especially now. I mean, you won't see me every hour like Sean Grice. I know my uh, gosh, three but, shows today. But we, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to front. I, I'm, I'm never going to be Sean Grice. That That's a different level. That's like, couple levels it's, it's like tom brady and i'm like you know i'm nick Foles. i might have won a super bowl against him but i'm still nick Foles. this is, this is tom brady song grace over here shout out to john mccallion who gets hit up on the lakers and grizzlies in the middle of an in and out line so big shout out to him if you want to actually see that live and how it happened go ahead and subscribe and check out the john mccallion channel today raul thanks so much for subscribing to the lakers fast break during our pro- broadcast hopefully you'll Enjoy future episodes of what we do here for the Lakers Fast Break. 
So for Joe Soro, a.k.a. Ox1947, LakersBall.com, and of course, his own company, Simblades, the Simblades with a Y.com, and of course, Magic Man and the Morning Host, Sean Grice, Sovereign says you're not stuck in traffic nearly enough, Joe. Yeah, Joe Soro, myself, and John McKaylin have been stuck in traffic more than Sean Grice this week, Joe. Well, traffic is uh, an interesting process now in this area. So when I moved here 13 years ago, there was no traffic, right? The, the word is out. Where we live, schools, lifestyle, affordability, in the middle of everything, meaning middle of L.A., Orange County. Heck, you can get to Arizona in four hours if you're driving 80 miles an hour, which I think the speed limit, uh, once you get to Blythe, is like 75 miles an hour. So you mm-hmm. could go eight, not worry about getting pulled over, right? So you're talking about why is Temecula the best place to live in Southern California? Because it's centralized and it's affordable and it's got a big town feel without being too boring. It's, you know, people here are still kind of boring. They got to go to Glamis. They got to go down to the beach in San Diego. They got to go to LA to Santa Monica. But it's kind of like, hey, this is my house. I'm going to kind of chill here. But if I want to go out and do whatever, like last night, Sean, I sent you some clips last night when you hit me up. Uh, I randomly went and got a haircut down in San Diego because the lady there has been cutting my hair since 1998. And uh, I went to go see my boy Adam. And uh, he's like, hey, you want to go to the baseball game tonight? I was like, you know what? Yeah. So the Padres were facing the Milwaukee Brewers. And surprisingly, was a packed house for a Thursday night. I mean, I was looking at the the, the three tier uh, uh, vertigo seats. I call them the vertigo seats at Petco Field. At Petco Park, beautiful park, by the way, beautiful park. I graduated uh, from there. Hey, hey, congratulations! It's a beautiful park, and I was sweating and, up a storm. Yeah. <laughs> enjoyed enjoyed watching the Padres lose to the Milwaukee Buck uh, Brewers, and you know had a had probably one of the best hot dogs I've ever had in my life outside. I don't know if you ever go outside and you know smell the 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 vendors there that pull it's, up. Oh my, it's, it's street meat, Joe. Everyone, I don't know what. Everyone, know, they, yeah, they talk about Dodger dogs. No, the best hot dogs. And I don't eat hot dogs a lot. It's it's usually a Fourth of July thing, just because of tradition or whatever. But I'm not a I'm not a linguisa guy or a bratwurst guy. I'll eat them. You know, I'll, I'll I'll do that. But those vendors, I don't know what the hell they do with those dogs. I'm, I purposely didn't eat for five hours. I was like, look, I want to have those dogs, and they cost eight bucks. That's why they're good. They're eight bucks. I bought three. It cost me twenty four bucks. <laughs> so. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we're we're talking, you know, this is what we do, guys. We're 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 here to enjoy life. We're uh, if you guys want to enjoy life really good, especially in Southern California, come 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 to my backyard and I'll show you how to how to have fun. Once again, it's late night with the Lakers fast break. It is Joe Soro. Please go ahead and support him today if you're in the Southern California area at Simblades, Simblades with a Y Of course, you can find him. At LakersBall.com, he's part of the great chat room that's there at LakersBall.com. And, of course, Magic Man, uh, I'm going to give him one last kudos because he's done a sensational job this week. All the shows, all the extra stuff, he's absolutely doing a great job. 
you know, I know Joe doesn't like that glad handing and all that stuff. So, you know, he, he is what it is, but <laughs> done a great job, Sean. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Gerald. You know, I know you appreciate it. I do very much, very much indeed. But once again, it is a late night with the Lakers. Very Yes, Barry there Harwoods. you go. Very Harwoods, absolutely. Pat yourself on the back indeed. But again, maybe we'll do some coverage as far as the playoffs on each day, as far as that's concerned, get a little recap, and then also a little small preview of the Lakers and Grizz. But on Sunday, definitely we'll be live and kicking because the playoffs start for the Lakers and for us at the Lakers Fast Break. Remember, playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. You can watch the game along with us. It's absolutely free to join, so go ahead and check it out today. And then afterwards, of course, the best post game for Lakers games is always right here. Joe, I was trying this to. This guy and his crap. Oh my gosh, he's back again. All right, that's a write off. You and your love for Giambi. Oh my god. The best chat room, including Giambi, that's out there. You can always find it here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody, and go Lakers.